Uh, go ahead and show the picture if you don't mind. Uh, does anybody know what movie this picture is from? If you raise your hand and tell me. Uh, you, I know you know. Let me see. Merle. Where is it from? The Sixth Sense. Yes. Now, who's seen The Sixth Sense? Anybody ever seen this movie? All right. It's a classic. Instant classic. When it first came out, this movie changed the game. All right? And what's cool about this movie is you'll see Bruce Willis is on the right, Haley Joe Osmond. Oswald, Osman, whatever, Osman, okay, is on the left. And um, what's cool about this movie is this boy in this movie, his, he has a sixth sense, hence the name of the movie. And his sixth sense is that he can see what? Does anybody remember? Dead people. Yeah, it's kind of weird, right? He can see dead people. This means he can see people who have already died just walking around complaining about themselves dying. And, he, uh, and, and it's, it's an awful sense to have. I would hate to have that, right? Well, Bruce Willis is a psychiatrist who's been helping this kid out. And what's cool about this, I remember seeing this movie for the first time, and this was years ago. I, won't, I don't know when, but it was right when DVDs first came out. I remember that because my friend said, hey, I got Sixth Sense on DVD. You want to watch it? I was like, what's this DVD you speak of? Wow, this is going to be great, all right? So, so we watched it, and it was clear. It was high definition, as, as high definition as it was in those days. And I remember looking at it and being like, this is amazing. Now, here's what's crazy is I'm going to spoil the movie for you. It's about 20 years old, I think. So if you haven't seen it yet, then that's on you, all right? Actually, eh, it might be a little less than 20 years old. But at the end of this movie, what you find out is that Bruce Willis has been dead the whole movie, right? And what he, but he doesn't know that he's dead. And so the kid on the left, the kid on the left up here, he keeps telling him throughout the whole time, he's like, I see dead people. They don't know. Some of them are trying to find peace and stuff. And the thing is, some of them don't even know that they're dead. And sure enough, Bruce Willis, you, the, the viewer doesn't know this. And by, at the very end of it, he, you realize that he's dead. And it's like the, one of the biggest twists of all time in any movie. Now, here's what's crazy is I remember watching this movie. And when, he found, when I found out that he was dead, I said, ooh, that's a cool twist. But it wasn't as cool because I missed the first 20 minutes of the movie, okay? And if you watch the first five minutes of the movie, it shows him get shot in his own bedroom by a psycho guy that came in. And then you see him fall down, and he's like, oh, and then it pans away, and then it shows him walking down the streets as if time had gone by. So you go, oh, he, he got healed. You know, he healed, and he's good now. Well, you find out, really, he had died right there on the bed. You just didn't know it. So my friend was watching this movie with me, and he was freaking out. He was like, that's amazing. You remember, he died in the beginning. And I said, what are you talking about? I don't, I don't remember that part because I missed it. And so what's funny is when you see the whole picture of something, sometimes things make more sense, and things are better when you see the full picture. And so what we're going to talk about tonight, as we finish our series, go ahead and hit the title slide up there for me. Our series that we've been doing this whole month is called Go Fish, okay? And this is a series on evangelism. And it's found in Matthew 419, which when Jesus tells the disciples or the people that were going to become the disciples, follow me, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Meaning, come on, come join me, and we're going to go bring people to heaven. We're going to teach them about me, we're going to teach them about God, and then we're going to get them to heaven. And that mission has not stopped for us. In fact, it's probably stronger than ever. Like, we need more now than ever to be telling people about what we believe. And we're going to finish off our series tonight um, with a, a, a sermon that I'm going to call The Whole Picture. Turn to your neighbor and just say, The Whole Picture. Say that to your neighbor real quick. Say it one more time so I can swig some water. Go ahead. Much better. All right. So we're going to talk about the whole picture tonight because as a Christian, I think it's very, um, it's very obvious that we, and I'll say this, the American church, right, the church of the United States, all of the believers, I think it's pretty obvious that we're not looking at the whole picture when it comes to being a Christian. And here's what I mean by that. 
There, there's, there's things about being a Christian that are very important, and, and you can't just pick some and not pick others. Now, um, the defin- I want to give you the definition of evangelism real quick because this is what we're going to base this on, okay? Do we have a slide for this? Nice. Hit that clear all on the top left and then hit that evangelism again. So here's our definition of evangelism. It is the spreading of the Christian gospel by public preaching or personal witness. Let me repeat that. The spreading of the Christian gospel by public preaching or personal witness. Now, if we break that down, when it says the, uh, by the public preaching, that's what's happening tonight. A lot of you guys have invited your friends to be here. Curls, are, you got to tell me your real name. All I know is Alyssa. That's right. That's right. I remember meeting you at the back to school bash, right? And I imagine you were invited by your friend, right? Is that true? Or did you just wander in off the streets? <laughs> She's like, it sounds like there's music in there and just kind of wandered in. No, But yeah, but you guys are inviting your friends, hopefully, to church. And you get to hear that first part of the definition of the public preaching. That is evangelism. What I'm doing to you guys tonight is evangelism and teaching you about Jesus. Now, when we're talking about the whole picture, I feel that the American church, the church in the United States, does a really good job at focusing on the public preaching, but doesn't show the whole picture when it comes to the personal witness. And here's what I mean by that. In America, we have put all the focus on the church service. We've put all the focus on getting people into church. This is why the music is so important. This is why churches are doing all these crazy light shows. They're, you know, we do games up here to make it some fun and stuff like that. But this is what it has become all about. And it's easier, right? It's easier to gauge. You, you think you're winning if you have more and more people. And I was telling them, I said at the back-to-school bash, we gave away a, what was the gift card? Amazon for $300. I forgot about that, right? A $300 gift card. And we saw tons of people come to it. And it's funny when, you know, when you do those things, that's what you're trying to do to get them to come in. But the church service has become the most important part, and we're not seeing the whole picture because the personal evangelism part or the personal witness has kind of gone off the wayside. We think, most of us think, that inviting a friend to church is how you evangelize to somebody, to which I would say, yeah, that's half of it, right? Invite them to church, but also have the conversation with them. Personally witness to this person. We're not focusing on the whole picture. Now, I want to give you an example of this because uh, who, how many Buckeye fans we got in here? Any Buckeye fans? Who would still admit that they were a Buckeye fan after last Saturday? Okay, cool. All right. The true fans. We got any Purdue fans in here? Good. Oh, too soon. Too soon. All right. Don't joke about that. All right. So if you don't know, if you watch the game on Saturday, the Buckeyes lost to the 3-3 three and three Purdue Boilermakers, who I might add lost to Eastern Michigan. Okay. They're an awful team. They're trash their trash team, their garbage, and they beat us 49 to 20. It was embarrassing. Now, here's what you know about the Buckeyes if you've been watching college football, okay? Is when you watch the Buckeyes, for the last month, you're seeing that they are not a complete team. On defense, we've got a great defensive line, okay? We, we used to have Nick Bosa. We got Chase Young. We got all these guys who their whole job is to just attack the quarterback and try to break his legs, okay? That's what their job is. However, the secondary, which are your linebackers and the people who guard the receivers, they're garbage. They're awful. So we have half of a good defense, right? It's half of a defense. Remember, we're looking at the whole picture here. If you want a good defense, you've got to have a, all of the, uh, the defense good. Let's look at the offense. We've got one of the best passing games in the history of Ohio State, but our running game is awful because our offensive line is garbage, okay? Again, our offense, half of it's good. The other half is bad. The whole <laughs> You're catching on, bro. I like it. All right. Punk. All right. But anyways, it's, you got to look at the whole picture. Now, here's the thing. And also, one more thing. If you keep watching the Buckeyes, 
we're garbage in the first half, but we do pretty good in the second half. And sometimes you're, you've done too bad in the first half, and you're not going to catch up in the second. It's, what is it, what is it, uh, Mr., uh, what's your last name? Why can't I remember? Zane? Zane Gross. Yeah, what is it? It's, you got to look at the, the whole picture. Okay, so <laughs> what we're going to do tonight, what we're going to do is I'm gonna, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture, and we're going to talk about how Jesus shows us the whole picture of being a Christian, okay? And this means that, yeah, you got to grow in your relationship with Christ, but you also have to evangelize. You have to share your faith. So I'm going to pray for us real quick, and then we're going to dive in, okay? Let me pray. So everybody bow your heads, close your eyes, and we'll get going. Dear God, thank you for this day, and thank you for everybody here. God, I pray that as we get ready to dive into Scripture, give me the words to say. Give, um, let everybody in here hear about the example that your son Jesus set while he was here on earth, we talk a lot about the sacrifice that Jesus did on the cross, and that, that's what it's all about. But Jesus also lived a life for you while he was alive, where he was just sharing the good news. And God, I pray that we can take that example and that we can be just like Jesus in that regard. We love you, we thank you, and we pray this in your name. Amen. Okay, so let's open up to Matthew chapter 9. You guys should be there by now. All right, and if you don't have your Bible, it's on the screen. But I would encourage you guys, bring your Bible, mark it in your Bible, reread stuff that we talk about. I never want you, this sounds bad, but I never want you to full. <laughs> no, let me rephrase that. I was going to say, I want you to believe what I say, but if I ever say something that contradicts Scripture, always go with Scripture, okay? Just, just a disclaimer for you, but hopefully I'm on point tonight. So Matthew chapter 9, let's go there and let's read this. This is 935 to 38. Here it is. Okay. And Jesus went throughout all the villages and the cities, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, listen to this, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers in his harvest. Now, guys, what we're going to do is I got three points that we're going to pull from this passage here. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at the whole picture of certain uh, sections of this. So for this first section, what I want us to do is I want to reread verse 35, and then we're going to chat about that one. Here it is. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness I'm sorry, every disease and every affliction. So here's the whole picture for that verse. Go ahead and hit the next slide, please. Here's the whole picture, okay? This whole picture is action and message. Now write that down if you have a pencil or a pen. Action and message. Now here's what I mean by that. When you look at what Jesus was doing here, it wasn't that Jesus was just going and preaching to everybody and telling them the good news. He was also healing them. He was meeting their needs. So Jesus, in this case, met the needs of the people both physically and spiritually. Now, this is important, and I'll tell you why. It seems today that a lot of churches either do one or the other, and both of these together work really, really well. Let me give you an example. When we look at action, right? When I'm talking about action opposed to message, when we do the action of what a Christian should do, what are some things that we can do for people that, that are helpful to them as a Christian? Somebody raise your hand and tell me. What are some things that we can do? Yes, Yes, pray for them. That's a great one. That's a great action. In fact, I've, uh, my father-in-law, whenever we go out to eat at a restaurant, he doesn't like to like preach the gospel to him, but what he'll say is, hey, is there anything I can pray for you for? And it's funny, the conversations that start from that, where they go, oh, well, yeah, everybody likes to talk about themselves, right? They're just like, well, yes, I do have something to pray about. And then it gets you talking about God, so it's pretty cool. What else? What's something that you can do for others in the name of Jesus? Yes. 
Yeah, do their yard work. We've done this before with older people, like uh, Fred Fuller. Like, no, I'm just kidding, Fred. All right. But, uh, but we... But, but older people, it's, it's good to go and help them. Some of them can't get out and do their yard. It's like taking the trash out for the old lady next door, right? Now, here's the question. That stuff, doing the action, absolutely is a Christian thing to do. Is it enough? The answer is no. And I'm going to tell you why. Uh, hit the next slide for me, please. Anybody know who this lady is? Go ahead and hit the next slide. It's not Mother Teresa. Do we have her? Who's this? It's, it's, it's close to Mother Teresa, yeah. She's Satan. <laughs> That right there is Angelina Jolie. Now, I'm sure most of you, this is Tomb Raider. She's been in a ton of movies. But let me tell you about Angelina Jolie. I want to read you a couple things about her. Now, disclaimer, I don't know that Angelina Jolie is, uh, I don't know that she's a Christian. I'm going to say based on what I've seen in the public eye, probably not. But I want to read you a couple things that she's done, okay? In 2006, this is when she was married to Brad Pitt, they together donated over $8 million to charity. Anybody ever done that? Yeah, I have no, pfft, liars. Come on, man. Well, you do have a North Face shirt on, so maybe you did, okay? All right, next one. In honor of her two children, Angelina Jolie established health centers in Cambodia and Ethiopia to treat children with AIDS and tuberculosis. Anybody ever done that? No, no. It's amazing. Man, we have to do a series on lying. <laughs> All right, next one. She has employed, listen, in Cambodia, this is where she adopted her children from. In Cambodia, she went over there and started organizations that now employ more than 6,000 Cambodians. That's pretty cool. Like, they're poor over there. That's where I went on my mission trip, and I've seen them. They're super poor. And here's the last one. She was appointed as a UN goodwill ambassador, meaning the United Nations sent her along with other ambassadors to see what we could do to help their people. Now, if we agree, let's look at the whole picture here, Okay. The action there is really, really good, isn't it? I think what she's doing is amazing. She's doing some really nice things. However, action is not enough. Hit that whole picture one more time for me, okay? We're talking, remember, we're talking action and message, okay? Action is not enough. We have to complete the whole picture. We have to see the whole picture. This, I I really do think this is a problem in churches today where there are a lot of churches that are great at meeting physical needs, but, but when you do just the act with no message, it's, it's, not, it's not the complete picture, okay? So what I want to encourage you guys to do, if you see somebody who is in need of something, absolutely help the person. Help them. Do like Jesus did. He healed the sick. I don't know how many in here can heal the sick, but we can give food to somebody. If you see a homeless guy, you can always give him free food. I wouldn't always recommend giving money, but you can give them food. If you see somebody who is in need of something, you know, do the Christian thing and serve them. However, don't just serve. Serving should be accompanied with the message, We as Christians have the best news known to man, don't we? It's Jesus Christ, okay? So that's the first one, okay, is we need to focus on the whole picture by realizing that it's more than just action. It's action and message, all right? Let's dive down to the next verse here, okay? Uh, Next verse is verse 36, okay? So let's look at verse 36, same same portion. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now, we know that sheep are literally one of the dumbest animals alive, okay? These guys, literally, they will just walk into a wall if you let them. This is true, isn't it? You guys have sheep, right? Sheep are really dumb, okay? This is why they need a shepherd. Now, I love that if you look in Scripture throughout a ton of Scripture, we're always referred to as sheep, which I think is hilarious. And Jesus came, and he's the good shepherd. Um, this is, David was a shepherd. Like, all these guys were shepherds, and these guys, the whole point is that they're guiding us to where we need to go. Now, I love that Jesus in this passage, he, he compares them to sheep without a shepherd. 
He says they need to be guided into the right way. So let me, let's go over our whole picture. Number two, go ahead and hit the whole picture. Here it is. Argument and passion. Now, this is one that I'm really uh, excited to talk about, okay, because this is one that I see a lot of, okay? Uh, if you remember, you see our first logo up here is the Disciple Fish. Does it, I tell you what, I will give a $10 Chick-fil-A gift card to anybody who can tell me what our bottom line was from that week right there. Does anybody, what is it? Ah, I thought you had it. Preston. Okay, so people change culture. That's our whole, that's our, our whole theme. But I'm talking, there was a bottom line. Let me give you the first, what is it? Was it the fisherman? No. This is here. I'm going to give you the first line. Do you know it? What is it? Close, close. All right, here it is. Be passionate. Yes. There it is, pretty much. Yeah, be passionate about what God is passionate about. Hey, we got a gift. We'll get it to you afterwards, all right? All right. Be passionate about what God is passionate about. And what is God passionate about? People. That's what he's most passionate about. If this wasn't the case, Jesus wouldn't have come and died on the cross for all of us. He loves us so much. And when you look at this verse here, you see it says that he had compassion on the crowd. And guys, Jesus cared most about people. Now, growing up, I always tried to, like even on YouTube now, try to follow people who are good at sharing the gospel and evangelizing. And when I was growing up especially, I always used to like following the people who were good at arguing for Christianity, where they'd be debating against non-Christians, and they'd be talking, and, and the Christian guy would say, uh, ask a question. And the, uh, the non-Christian would say, well, what about evolution? And he goes, here's what I think about evolution. And then they get into this back and forth. And I would always be like, oh, my dude, won the argument. That's what it's all about. It's all about winning the argument. And here's the sad thing, guys. Remember, our whole picture on this, this passage here is argument and passion. Here's the sad thing, ready? For some Christians, and I, let me rephrase that. For a lot of Christians, it's about winning the argument and not winning the soul. For some Christians, it's about winning the argument and not winning the soul. And here's what I mean by that. There are people out there who all they want to do for, for Jesus is to beat you in an argument and prove that they're right. What I have found is that a lot of people who have that mindset, all they care about is winning the argument, and in fact, it pushes that person further away from Jesus than they were before. Man, I can't stand arrogant Christians. <laughs> they drive me crazy. I see it online now, and I'm just like, mm, I hate it when people just point the finger at you the whole time, right? You're doing wrong. You're doing wrong. You're doing wrong. I'm like, man, that's not, that's not, there's no compassion in that. That's not Christianity. I've said this before. The homosexual movement that has happened in the last however many years, I, I, I honestly, as the church, I think we handled it wrong. We pointed the finger a lot. We said, what you're doing is wrong. Now, here's the thing. It is a sin. I think the Bible's pretty clear on that. But, man, is it, a mo is it the most compassionate thing to do, to go up to somebody and just point your finger in their face and tell them that they're wrong? No. It's all about compassion. It's about love, right? So, what I want to do is I want to, um, I want to take you back to a date, February 25th, 2004. This is a great year. And you know why? It was the year that the, the highest grossing rated R movie of all time came out. Any idea what this movie is called? No. <laughs> Tomb Raider? No. No. It is The Passion of the Christ. And I think it's ironic that the most... <laughs> The highest grossing rated R movie is a Christian movie, The Passion of the Christ. But it's rated R because of how gory it was and how violent. Mel Gibson really tried to depict how violent it was. And I remember when I, when I, was, when I first heard that Mel Gibson was making a movie about Jesus, I was super pumped because I love Mel Gibson. I was like, oh, Braveheart's a great movie. I love this. And then I found out that the title of his movie, I'll call you just a little bit, okay? I found out that the title of his movie was The Passion of the Christ, and I remember being, like, kind of intrigued by that title. I was like, well, that's pretty interesting. They didn't call it just Jesus or 
or the last days. I don't know what you call it, but he called it the passion of the Christ. And then it hit me. What is he most passionate about? That's right. Say it again. What is he most passionate about? People. All right. The whole reason he brutally died on that cross, the whole reason he allowed himself to be humiliated on that cross was because he was passionate about people. That's the passion of the Christ. Now, again, when you look at this verse here, you see that Jesus was not necessarily concerned most about winning the argument. He was concerned most about what he was passionate about, and that is people. When people are more concerned about winning an argument, it's a pride thing. It's, it's an issue of their pride. Because they, what they're doing is they're trying to take all the glory for themselves for winning the argument, opposed to giving the glory to God for winning the soul. Okay? So guys, remember, I don't want any of you guys to leave here and learn something new from church and just be like, I can't wait to use that on my non-Christian friend. You know, I can't wait to see how they respond to this. I got them this time. No, no. Be compassionate for them. Show them in a loving way, Jesus Christ, okay? And here's our last whole picture. Ready? Hit the next one, please. Um, this, the whole picture on this next verse here is learn and go. This is verse 37 and 38. Let me read this. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest and send out laborers in his harvest. Now, let me, let me just kind of summarize what that says. This is Jesus. He's, he's looking at these people. He's had compassion on them. He sees that they are sheep without a shepherd. And he says to his disciples, guys, we've got a big job ahead of us. Look at all of these people who need Jesus. Well, I guess he wouldn't say that. Who need me, right? He says, look at all these people. He says, guys, we've got a big job. I want you to pray to God that he will send more people, okay? Now, what I want to do, guys, I don't know if you know this or not, and I, we try to be pretty transparent here, but our whole mission in Genoa students, our whole purpose is to get you guys to share your faith with your friends and your family, invite them to church, and then they sh share their faith with their friends and family, invite them to church. And we want you guys to spread the gospel through your schools, through your jobs when you get one, through your families. And when we look at this, remember, this is the whole picture for this last one is learn and go. We in the United States are great at the learning part, okay? We're awesome at this, where we come to church we're, uh, a lot of churches are event-driven. They, they have tons of programs which try to get you in the doors of the church. So we're great at getting people in the doors. What we're not great at doing is sending them out to share their faith outside of the doors of the church. We need to change that, okay? Um, I wish I had a cup. I forgot about this illustration. Anyways, I'll just, just use your imaginations with me, okay? Imagine I have a cup in one hand and I have a pitcher of water in the other. Okay? If I held the cup up, go ahead and put your hand down. <laughs> no, 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 that's okay. You can keep your water. Uh, if I had a cup in one hand and a pitcher of water in the other, think of the cup as yourself, and then think of the pitcher of water as your relationship with Christ. The more water you pour in, the closer you are with Christ. Okay? Now, at some point, a cup can only hold so much. If you have a cup and you pour a little bit in there, this is you going to church, okay? You're learning about God. Pour a little in there. Um, next week, you go to a worship night and you're worshiping God. You pour a little bit in there. You go to a Bible study. Pour a little bit in there. You read your Bible in the morning. You pray at night. You're doing all these things. And eventually, you know, you're growing in your relationship to God. But what happens eventually is that the cup runs out of room and it starts to pour over the top, right? You've seen this before. If, if a cup fills up with water, fills up to the very top, and then it pours over, and now the stuff is just spilling over the edges, you get to a point as a Christian where you can learn all you want, but at some point learning isn't enough and you have to empty yourself out. And what I mean by that is if you're the Christian, you're the cup that has the presence of God that's been pouring into you, what you need to do is you need to go pour that out into somebody else. 
You need to say, hey, here's what I've been learning. I'm going to give it to you. And what that does is it empties you as the cup to be refilled with God, okay? This is the whole picture of being a Christian is that, guys, you have to, obviously, you have to grow in your knowledge. You have to learn, you have to learn, you have to learn. But eventually, you can only learn so much before you have to go, okay? This is uh, Luke 2.52. Do we have the scripture on the screen? I don't know that we do. Okay, cool. Luke 2.52, here it is. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Let me see. Yep, exact translation. Uh, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Okay, this, this scripture here is before Jesus officially started his ministry as Jesus. I don't know if you knew this or not, but when I was younger, I found this out where, where Jesus is, uh, like I thought that he spent his whole life just talking about God and stuff. But do you guys realize that Jesus really only went on mission for about three years? For three years, he changed the world. He was 30 years old when he started, 33 when he died. And so for about three years, he was just spreading the gospel, talking about God. And you got to think about it, man. I've, done a, I've been alive a lot. I've been, well, not a lot longer, but I've been alive longer than that. I haven't accomplished nearly as much as Jesus did. But the thing about it was Jesus, even in this passage, he had to learn. He had to learn, right? He grew in wisdom. He grew in stature. He grew in favor with God and men. He grew closer in his relationship with God. But at some point, he had to stop learning, and he had to go and, and do with what he was learning, okay? That's not great English. He had to go leave and say, hey, here's what I've been learning, and then you come back and you, you learn more, okay? You can only grow so much inside church. You can only grow so much inside church. Your relationship with God can only grow so much inside the walls of this church. If you really want your relationship with God to grow, you need to take your faith outside of this church and lead others to Christ or share the gospel with them. Because, guys, it is amazing what happens. It's really cool how much you grow. Full Christian maturity happens when you leave the church and you live out the gospel. So that's the last one is uh, hit that last uh, whole picture for me. So that last picture is ready. It's to learn and go. The last thing we want you guys to do is only come to church on Wednesdays and Sundays and just learn, just learn, just learn, just learn, just learn. We want you to get out and apply what you've learned. Okay? Let me finish with this last point here. Uh, who in here likes coffee? Anybody like coffee? All right, you could say that I'm an addict. It's true. I love coffee. I get coffee pretty often. In fact, I'm an espresso man, so I like uh, lattes and those fancy drinks, okay? But if you ever heard of uh, Starbucks, which I know we all have, um, on February 26, 2008, the owner of Starbucks, his name was Howard Schultz, he temporarily shut down close to 7,000 Starbucks uh, for three hours. So he says, hey, for, for three hours, we're going to shut down 7,000 Starbucks. During this time, 135,000 employees were retrained in how to make coffee. Now, you're probably asking yourself, well, that's, that's kind of weird. Like, why, why do they need to retrain in coffee? And here's what happened is Starbucks came onto the scene, and everybody loved it. They said, ooh, this is a coffee shop with really good coffee. This is great. And what happened was they started to grow. They started to grow. They got bigger and bigger. And eventually, the owner says, hey, let's do more than just coffee. Let's, let's sell pastries. Let's sell sandwiches. Let's sell candy bars. Let's do all of this stuff. And what we'll do is we will make more money that way. We'll, we'll grow and we'll grow. And what they found, this is where they, they, they polled the people and they said that, they, he said, we need to rechange how we're doing this because they started losing business. And they couldn't, they couldn't figure out why it was happening. They said, why? We're, we're still selling coffee. We're, we're selling more stuff than we were before. And what they found was that the, the coffee had gone down in quality. It wasn't as good as it was before. And what they found was that when people were coming in and they polled the people, they said, uh, what do you miss most about how we used to do it? And they said, I miss the smell of coffee. 
when I go into your shops now, it smells like pastries and it smells like sandwiches. Anybody like the smell of coffee? There, man, there's, there's nothing better than the smell of coffee in the morning. I love it, right? And so these guys, they missed it. So what Schultz did was he says, guys, we got to remember what's most important to us. We're going to shut down. We're, we're going to sell that other stuff on a lower scale. We're going to up the quality of our coffee. We're going to teach our people how to make it better. And when people walk into our stores, they're going to smell that coffee, right? What was most important to them was coffee. And what I want to encourage you guys before we uh, split off tonight is that what is most important to us as Christians should be people, all right? Be passionate about what God is passionate about. If you're not passionate about people, that means you need to grow in your relationship with Christ. And guys, I'll be honest with you. This is a, this is a regular thing. This happens to me where there are some days where I'm like, oh, I don't want to do church tonight. I don't want to do this tonight. We got this event. I don't want to go. And so this is why you have to constantly be praying that you grow more and more passionate for people. Let me give you one quote, and then we'll be done. Go ahead and hit that quote for me if you don't mind. This is a quote by the, uh, by the maker or the uh, CEO of Pepsi, right? The CEO of Pepsi said, I wouldn't ask anyone to do anything I wouldn't do myself. I wouldn't ask anyone to do anything I wouldn't do myself. We as your leaders in here, this is something we try to challenge you guys, is we're going to try our best not to ask you to do something that we wouldn't do ourselves. If we're asking you to share your faith, we are going to be sharing our faith. And here's the thing, guys. Jesus Christ himself is the one who told us that we need to go, we need to make disciples, we need to lead people to Christ. And Jesus himself, based on this little passage that we just read here, he was willing to do it himself. Don't you agree that Jesus, he walked the walk, he talked the talk, or did I say it backwards? He talked the talk, and he walked the walk. He did it all. Jesus is not asking us to do anything that he wouldn't do himself. And what did he do? He came, he lived. He walked this earth, he spread the good news, and then on, when he was 33, he was beaten savagely, he was humiliated, he was marched down a street carrying a cross, he was nailed to a cross, and he did it all for one reason, people, us. Jesus is not asking us to do something that he didn't already do himself, all right? So we're going to do worship now. Um, would you mind praying for us, Rusty? I, I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but why don't you come on up here, but... As we're praying, here's what I want you guys to do. I, I really want you guys to be thinking to yourselves, are you as passionate for Christ or for people as you should be? And if, if you don't find any passion to tell people about Jesus, I want to encourage you tonight to, to really just focus on God during these songs. Focus on what you can do better to be this light for Jesus Christ. What can you do? Think about, think about specific names. It's not enough to just say, hey, I want to reach my friends at school. Think about those friends at school that, that you really want to share the gospel with. And remember, share, evangelism is not like, it's not something that you're just great at right away. So I don't want you guys to think about that you got to go out and you got to know every uh, scripture from memory and all this stuff. We'll, we'll do this again. Next week, we have our pool noodle party, pool noodle party. What I want you to do, invite one friend to church next week. Just do it. Invite one friend, one family member, and then invite them back the next week, okay? Remember, babies don't run right away. They got to crawl, then they walk, and then they run. And we as Christians, we have to do the same thing, guys. Start off with the easy stuff. Invite them to church. And eventually, we are going to do some classes on personal evangelism, so we'll do that. But, um, but guys, I think you're awesome, and I really want you to just be passionate about people. Let's stand real quick. Rusty, if you don't mind, go ahead and pray for us. Father God, thank you so much for the message from Matt. Um, Lord, help us to be passionate about the same thing that you're passionate about, and that's people. 
Lord, some of us may not know how to do that, or some of us may not want to. Lord, your scripture says that when we behold your glory, we're transformed into your image. Lord, help us to pursue you, seek you, and you will do the rest. You'll change us and make us passionate about what you're passionate about, Lord. Help us to focus on you and your word. In Jesus' name, amen.